This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. In this episode of Hollywood Homicides, we dive into the brutal rape and murder model of Linda Sopic. But before we dive into today's episode, we'd like to remind you you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. On Thursday, November 16th, 1995, model and aspiring actress Linda Sobick received a call from a freelance photographer offering her an afternoon of work. Everyone that turned down a chance to add to her already impressive resume, she had readily accepted the assignment. In her eagerness to reach the top, she had broken her own cardinal rule. Let someone know where you were going and who you're with at all times. It would be an oversight that would cost her dearly in the end. Although she was only 27, Linda was already a show business pro, having spent several seasons as a cheerleader for the Los Angeles Raiders. She was comfortable in her own skin, whether it be in front of a crown of thousands or her own photography. When she made the decision to pursue a career in modeling, Linda knew that it wasn't going to be easy, standing up. she realized that she would never be hired to show off the latest fashions on the catwalk. Even so, with her striking good looks and proportions, she made for an ideal print model, better known by some as a pinup girl. She had a lot on her plate on that fateful day in November. Besides the last-minute modeling gig, she had also landed an audition for a guest role on the popular sitcom Married with Children. Acutely aware of the dangers that lie in meeting with strangers, this safety-conscious young model always made a point of leaving details of her whereabouts with either a cohort or her mother, who was also her best friend. On this occasion, however, she had been in such a rush that she had let her self-imposed security mandate slide just this once. Besides, she had worked with the photographer several times in the past without incident. Confident that the day would go off without a hitch, she jumped in her car and raced off to the rendezvous point at a local chain restaurant. And just like that, she seemingly fell off the face of the earth. When Linda failed to return home that afternoon, her mother Elaine had known instinctively that something was wrong. After the deadline for the much-anticipated audition came and went with no word from her daughter, she began to fear the worst. When she started calling around, Elaine was disturbed to learn that no one seemed to know anything about the mysterious modeling shoot. Since it had been arranged outside her agency, they were of no help. After filing a missing person report with the police, there was nothing to do left to do but sit back and wait for the phone to ring. Two days later, a member of the maintenance crew at the Angeles National Forest, which was over an hour's drive from Linda's home in Hermosa Beach, 
was emptying a trash can when he noticed that someone had thrown out several 8x10s depicting a beautiful blonde woman in various modeling poses. Struck by the image's high quality, he hadn't felt right tossing them back among the refuse. Rather than discard them, he had stuffed them into his backpack and gone back to work. On Monday evening, the man who had gathered the photos was watching a news story about a young woman who had been reported missing over the weekend. When he saw a video of the petite blonde, he recognized her as the girl in the pictures. Realizing that he might have information that could prove useful to the investigation, he called the tip line and told them about his curious find. While it was obvious to the authorities that the woman in the photographs was Linda, knowing that she may have been in the National Forest when she went missing wasn't as much of a boon as one would think. With over 700,000 acres of land to cover, finding her, anyone else for that matter, was akin to looking for a needle in the biggest haystack imaginable. All was not lost, however, when a lease agreement for Alexis' sports utility vehicle was found and mixed in with the pictures. The signature on the document wasn't that of the missing model, rather Charles Raitman, someone who had proved to be a key player in the search for Linda. In a staggering coincidence, as they were processing this valuable piece of information, detectives were contacted by a 38-year-old photographer named Charles Wraithpin, who phoned to say that he and Linda had met at a chain restaurant on the morning of her business, her disappearance, excuse me. He recalled that the interaction had been purely business, with her showing him her portfolio in hopes of securing future work. He claimed that they had left at the same time, but had gone their several ways once they reached their respective vehicles. He was adamant that he had, hadn't seen her since. When questioned about the presence of the real rental agreement, he said that he had leased the vehicle for a spread he was shooting for a magazine pictorial. He surmised that Linda must have placed the contract in her modeling portfolio by mistake. He seemed flummoxed when asked why she would have thrown it in a rubbish bin alongside the pictures that were her bread and butter. Although his story was as shaky as they come, he was released for the time being. When detectives tracked down the SUV, they noticed what appeared to be bloodstains on the back seat, despite the fact that it had been cleaned inside and out. When the area was treated with luminol, a chemical compound that glows pale blue when it comes in contact with blood, the upholstery lit up like a Christmas tree. Further testing would confirm that the source had been human. Traces of blood and saliva were also detected on a car cover that had been stuffed away in the storage compartment. When confronted with these findings, Rathbun changed his story. After giving it some thought, he remembered that he and Linda had spent some time together later on that day, after all. Quite a bit of time, in fact. Not long after leaving the restaurant, it had dawned on him that the car he was being paid photograph would look even better. A beautiful woman was behind the wheel. With that in mind, he paged Linda and asked if she was available to do some modeling of the car. He agreed to help out, and the two met up in Hermosa Beach a short time later. Since the shoot would be taking place two hours away in El Mirage, the pair had climbed in the SUV and set out the long drive through the Mojave Desert. The site was chosen for the shoot turned out to be a dried-up riverbed in the middle of nowhere. After setting up his equipment, he said that he had gotten back in the vehicle and demonstrated to Linda how he wanted her to drive around in circles while he snapped pictures. He claimed that at some point he had hit a patch of sand that had caused him to lose control, sending it careening towards Linda. When he realized that he had struck her by accident, he jumped out to offer aid, but found that she had been killed on impact. Instead of going for help as any prudent person would do, he had transported her body to the Angeles National Forest and buried her in a shallow grave. 
Once again, detectives had a hard time digesting this latest ta tall tale. For one thing, they had gone over the flexes with a fine-tooth comb and had found no signs of damage to the exterior, making it unlikely that it had been involved in an accident resulting in death. When investigators asked him to lead them to her body, he agreed without hesitation. Once they were in the area where he claimed to have disposed of her remains, he couldn't... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Seemed to find a burial site. For several hours of looking at every conceivable spot without success, it became clear that everyone involved that Rathbun had taken them on a wild goose chase. After being informed in no uncertain terms that the time for game playing was over, he sheepishly admitted that he knew exactly where she was buried and would take detectives to the location if they would give him one more chance. Eight days after slaying Linda in cold blood, he led them to her remains. With her fate no longer in question, Rathbun was placed under arrest on suspicion of murder. The recovery crew who located Linda's body were surprised to find that it showed few signs of the degradation one would expect. There were a few things, however, that had struck them as odd, one of which was the fact that although she had been on a modeling shoot, her face was free of makeup. This led investigators to believe that she had been scrubbed clean prior to being interred. Linda's autopsy revealed that she had died as a result of having been strangled by someone who had sat on her back while pushing her neck against a stationary object. She had also been sodomized with a foreign object before being raped and ultimately killed. Ligature marks on her ankles indicated that she had been bound at some point during her ordeal. Though she had sustained multiple bruises and abrasions, there was nothing to suggest that she had been struck by a speeding SUV. When questioned, industry insiders who had dealt with Rathbone in a professional capacity described him as having a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde persona. While he can be calm and accommodating at times, he also had a reputation as a hothead who would fly off the handle with little or no provocation. He had apparently had a dislike of blondes and had allegedly referred to Linda as a little bitch to other models. A bit of digging into his past showed that he had been arrested in Ohio several years earlier on charges of raping a married co-worker who had spurned his advances. At trial, he had sworn under oath that the sex was consensual. The jury, in their wisdom, had believed him, resulting in an acquittal search of his own turned up over 200 firearms, one of them 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol, sported what appeared to be droplets of dried blood. When analyzed, the biological remains were a perfect match for Linda Sobin. This grisly find led investigators to conclude that this was the object her killer had used to sodomize the young model. Even though all roads led to his involvement in Linda's rape and murder, he refused to admit his guilt. Much like the case in Ohio, he insisted that any sexual contact between them had been consensual. Furthermore, he insisted that he had the pictures to prove it. He went on to say that he had hidden five rolls of film in the desert that captured the intimate nature of their relationship. In an odd move, even for him, when push came to shove, instead of telling detectives where to find this bombshell evidence, he had drawn a map for his brother and sent him to retrieve the film. When his brother found what he was looking for, rather than turning the cartridges over to police, he had taken it upon himself to have them developed 
Since he saw the pictures before anyone else, there was no way of knowing how much tampering had taken place. Upon viewing the images, authorities could tell that Rathbun was either lying or delusional, or perhaps both. The shots of Linda were basic modeling poses that weren't particularly provocative. While there were several rock-shaped pictures of an unclad woman reclining in the front seat of a car, that was described as pornographic in nature. Her face had been cropped out of the frames. When the images were enhanced, forensic experts determined that the body type did not match that of Linda Sopic. What's more, the interior of the vehicle was proven to have been a completely different make and model than the one Rathbun had rented for the shoot in El Mirage. It was also noted that the photographer had not appeared in any of the pictures, making his claims that they showed him having consensual relations with Linda null and void. In November 1996, a year after Linda's final meeting with him, he went on trial for her murder. Prosecutors laid out a case that they believed proved beyond a reasonable doubt that he was a predator who lured her to a desert anticipating a sexual encounter whether she was a willing participant or not. They described how the pair had initially met at a trade show, which was a common way for models and photographers to network. After learning that Rathbun was respected in the industry, Linda had given him her business card, which was standard practice. He would begin calling her shortly afterwards, always from a payphone and with very little notice. While they were by no means friends, they had shared a cordial relationship that was strictly professional. On the day of the murder, the state argued that Rathbun had snuck up on Linda as she was changing behind the door of the SUV, struck her in the back of the head with the butt of the pistol. When she fell forward, he had tied her ankles together and used the barrel of the weapon to sodomize her. They theorized that the deep cuts that were evident around the restraints were the result of her trying desperately to escape the painful assault. Tiring of that particular torture, Rathbun had raped Linda before sitting on her back and choking her until she stopped breathing. At 6'3", weighing in at over 200 pounds, he had little trouble holding her down as her life ebbed away. When he took the stand in his own defense, he changed his story once again. This time, he claimed that he hadn't actually hit Linda with the vehicle, but had clipped her with the mirror, causing her to become enraged. At some point, they had ended up in the back seat, where he tried to calm her down by holding her tightly around the upper body. When he finally let go, he realized that she had suffocated. When asked to elaborate about the incident that had ultimately led to her death, he had put the blame squarely on Linda. The way he remembered it, she had been drinking heavily all day and couldn't hold her liquor. He had implied that if she hadn't been falling down drunk, the horrible events of that day would never have happened. While it was true that Linda's autopsy had shown that her blood alcohol level was well above the legal limit, no one who knew her believed for a second that she would have taken even a sip of booze only hours before the biggest audition of her life. Although she would sometimes have a glass of wine with dinner or on special occasions, she was considered a casual drinker at best. The general consensus among those close to her, as well as the prosecutors overseeing the case, was that Rathbun had forced her to down nearly a bottle of rocket at gunpoint as the nightmare he had so carefully planned out got underway. When all was said and done, it took the jury five hours to find Rathbun guilty of both murder in the first degree and rape. In December of 1996, he was sentenced to life without parole. Today, he is incarcerated at the California Institute for Men in China. Although Rathbun was only convicted of one murder, he was a suspect in several other disappearances over the years, spanning three states. 
since he steadfastly refused to take responsibility for his actions, any secrets he may hold will likely die with him. Given his alleged disdain for women, it seems a pretty sure bet that even Linda, that even if Linda was his first victim, she probably wouldn't have been his last. While the depths of his depravity may never be known, he is now safely locked away behind bars. Though his removal from society didn't come in time to save Linda Sobick, perhaps it will prevent others from suffering the same fate. Let us know your comments on the case we covered today in the comment section below. As always, give it a thumbs up if you like our video. Hit the subscribe button and hit the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And if you want to help the channel grow, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps.